Hello and welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, this is, of course, your source for all things Everton. I, as I'm always joined by Ellis Nordhoff. Ellis, how are you doing, mate? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad. It's, it's about 40 degrees here today, so hopefully we're, we're not all going to melt before the end of this podcast. But we do have a very special guest today. Uh, Shamoon joins, joins us from BBC Sports. Shamoon, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, you're right. I think we're melting a bit here as well um, over in Manchester. Um, and yeah, we tried, I know you tried to get me on last week, but uh, not a good time with the last uh, final week of the transfer window. Um, so uh, hopefully things calm down a bit uh, now that at least the uh, European windows are shut. Yeah, and of course the uh, the Saudi Arabian window is, is going to shut as well, and that's a man that we'll definitely be getting on to, Damari Gray. But before we get to enjoy talking about transfers, as always, we do have to quickly review the match that has just gone. I know it's a bit later in the week once again, uh, but it's our first point of the season on the road. Uh, strange performance, really, at times. We finally scored two goals, though, Ellis. Do you, do you want to just lead us off with this one? How exciting is it? We've scored twice. We're getting carried away. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I'm going to take from it to start with the fact that we scored two goals was a big positive of course we'd have wanted to win and on paper really you look at that as an away game that you probably need to win and it's disappointing that we didn't but scoring two goals was important we looked better than we have done especially compared to the Villa game the previous away performance and you know now that's two game, two away games on the bounce where we've scored two goals so I'm feeling okay after it I just wish we'd have won it because it's always important to get that first win yeah and uh, I mean we ended up well, it ended up 2-2. That, that Jordan Pickford goal was just so unfortunate. I think, other than that, defensively, I thought we were okay, really. Uh, I thought we were the better side across most of the game. Uh, I know that the XG will be kind of skewed because to Corey's chance, he couldn't miss it, really. So that's surely just gone down as a as a one. But, Shereen, I'm not sure what, what you thought about the game yourself. Pretty, I, I don't know. It, it's weird to get excited over a draw, but the fact that we we finally scored this season and it is our first point on the board after four games, what, what did you make of it? Yeah, just starting off with Ellis's point, it, the other one is only Doncaster, so don't get carried away. Yeah, <laughs> so, but you're right. Um, once they fell behind at half time, um, the feeling with Evan is always that they're not going to get back into the game and they don't score many goals. So, scoring two was uh, a great positive, and I think it could have gone either way. Jordan Pickford was unlucky with that goal, um, but he did make a good save off Gustavo Hamer in the first half, right? Sharp mm. save down to his left. Then in the second half, uh, there was a chance from uh, Luke Thomas at the far post volley, which he had to keep out. And then obviously the triple save uh, right in the dying minutes um, of uh, Ollie McBurney. But then, you know, Everton had their chances as well. And maybe if... Uh, Dan Juma had a bit of composure in that final third when he got played through by Beto. Um, could have been a different outcome. You mentioned uh, Yukuri's uh, chance as well. So one that could have gone either way, but I know that uh, speaking to Daesh afterwards, he was disappointed that they didn't come away with all three points. But measuring how uh, Everton are going to be uh, this season, we sort of one fixture that they had to get three points from, I think. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've we've already had three of them in the season so far. So. It, it looks like another season of struggle. Um, and Sheffield, the likes of Sheffield United, Wolves, Fulham, that, that Evan have played this season, they're the games that you need to pick all three points up from because then you see what you've got coming up. You've got, you got Arsenal next game uh, and I know they beat him in the first game of Daesh's era uh, last season but um, you know they they played pretty well against United got that win you know they can go for 100 minutes whether Everton can match that uh, next Sunday yeah, absolutely. And the point that you just touched on with Dan Juma there and, and a bit of composure. I think we've we've seen flashes of Dan Juma so far, Ellis, but I think we're we're maybe waiting for the, the complete performance. There was the chance where he was kind of through on goal. It was like a four V two or something. Um and I think that, you know, maybe his decision making could be better. I think he's a very exciting player, but not not quite the finished article from him so far. 
Yeah, I think the manager has said, though, he's not fully up to speed yet. He's still getting fit. If we remember, he did get a slight injury in preseason. So I think there's more to come from Dan Juma. Things that I've liked so far, though, is just his ability to gamble and be in a place where other wingers in the past haven't been for us. I think a lot of previous wingers for Everton wouldn't have been there to gamble on that ball and score that second goal for us. So I think that's a big plus. I think he is a goal scorer, isn't he? He isn't just a a winger who stays wide and doesn't get involved. He wants to be involved. And I think he has that natural attacker's instinct. But decision-making-wise, yes, there are a few concerns. I think when he went through, and he, he had a few options really to square it and he didn't, but hopefully that'll come with understanding between the players. I think he's likely to form quite a good partnership with Beto and he seems to get on quite well with Amadou Onana. I was in the away end and I saw him when he scored, he came over with Amadou Onana and they both did their Cobra celebration. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think they get on as well. So hopefully it's when more partnerships form, perhaps his decision-making might improve. But the main thing for me is he just looks like a goal scorer. And of course we know that that's exactly what we need. Yeah, I think right. just on that, the, it seems all doom and gloom around the club, but I think there are positive signs around people, players who want to be there now, like uh, Danjuma. Uh, you know, they went back in for him after going to Spurs in January. He wants to be there. Beto, I think, is going to be a fan's favourite uh, in the next few years. That hopefully he's at the club. You see the passion uh, Dakore brings. Onana always patting his. Uh, chest and stuff. I think that the players that want to wear the shirt and, as you mentioned, those once those partnerships grow in the next few months, I think uh, there's good signs that the club can you know pick up from where they are at the moment. It's just that the, uh, it's such a threadbare squad at the moment. A couple of injuries here and there, and that could derail stuff quite badly. I think. Yeah, a threadbare squad is definitely something that we can get onto in a moment where we talk about transfers, isn't it? And I completely agree is that I think generally if we had a fully fit start in 11, I think when you look at that, I think I think we look fine for the season. The, the problem is that we've already wasted the, these really valuable opportunities for points. And, and me and Alice have been saying this for a few weeks now. It's like there, there does seem to be everything there. And there the Fulham game, um, uh, we, we've created more than enough chances to win the game against Wolves it was a bit less like that but we still probably slightly edged it and th- th- there have been reasons to be positive I know that we've only got one point from four games and just managed to squeeze past Doncaster in the end there are reasons to be positive I think that I think we, we will pick up for the rest of the season I think it's so important to at least get a point before the international break. It, it, it does. It looks terrible on paper if you go into the international break without any points. And one isn't ideal, especially looking at the fixtures that we've had. And we definitely should have picked up more points. Maybe that's something that we regret a bit later on in the season. But overall, I think we finally started scoring. If we can just continue that form after the international break, I think we'll be relatively all right. I think we will be in amongst it for quite a while. Uh, I'm not saying by any means that we're going to be safe by, by January, but... I, th- I think there's reasons to be positive. Uh, we know that me and Ellis were getting very excited about Beto last week and uh, didn't end up scoring Ellis, but he put, in, he put in a very decent performance anyway. Oh, he put in a real shift, didn't he? He just built on what he did against Doncaster. And like Shamoon said before, yes, it was Doncaster, but I was really pleased with that goal that he did score. It was just a very calm finish, regardless of who it was against. And then in the Sheffield United game, he showed that he can do it at the Premier League level. Yes, he's raw. Yes, he's just getting into the Premier League now, still needs to adjust. But he seems to have all the hallmarks of a really useful striker for Everton, whether that's his hold-up play, his tenacity, his pace as well. He's one of the fastest players for someone of his size that I've seen in quite a while. He really has that. I think the hunger makes him look quicker as well because he is just so desperate to get onto anything. And the fact that he can do so many different things up front gives us such a great option, whether it's receiving it to feet and knocking it around the corner, whether it's just charging forward with the ball or being in the right place to put the finishes away. He wasn't perfect in that game by no means. He did miss that one. I think it was in the first half, which he should have done quite a lot better with. But I think he's going to be a really important striker for us. And it just means now that we don't have to bank on Dominic Calvert-Lewin being fit for every game, which is a lot fairer on Calvert-Lewin and it's just a lot better for the club in general. Yeah, yeah I was just taken by, by his passion. Um, like when he missed a chance, he was like gutted about it and then when he wasn't receiving the ball, he was like geeing up his teammates and I think that's great to see someone who, who wants to do well for the club and I think 
so early signs are that uh, he will sort of do well for the club and hopefully bang in a few goals, which um, which is badly needed for this for this club at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, six foot four was it? Seven out of ten dribbles completed on the day. Just it's just ridiculous. I mean, when when we when we when the links were made, we all kind of maybe made a quick assessment on him. He's going to be a big lump up front, kind of similar to Calvert Lewin, but. Obviously, we hadn't watched him. We we didn't know anything about him clearly because, uh, as you said, Alice, his, his tenacity, he, his hunger to win the ball back, he's absolutely rapid. Uh, I'm very excited about him. We've already got very excited about. Him. We don't have to cover this for another week running. Uh, he was. <laughs> I don't mind talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when he scored a couple after the international break, we can really cover it then. But yeah, I mean, as far as Sheffield United goes, I think that's all we can really talk about it. it's 2-2 two, two. I, I don't want to go into the goals too much because I mean that Pickford one was just ridiculously unfortunate and I'm not sure there's there's much you can say about that that's probably the main talking point but more than made up for it with it as you said Shamoon with that ridiculous triple quadruple save whatever it was at the end but we've known for a long time we can rely on John Pickford we're, we're still in the Premier League mainly because of John Pickford and obviously that still the shouts have arisen again this week that you know, Ramsdale should be England's number one. I don't know if did he get a Ballon d'Or nomination for the goalkeeper position. It's all ridiculous. Uh, people who don't rate John Pickford don't watch him week in and week out for Everton. He's not just good for England. He's absolutely fantastic, and I'm glad he finally got that recognition. That clip got shared around for a bit, and his celebration afterwards wind up, winded up a few cop bites. So that's that's all horrendous as well. Uh, we, we don't mind that, but. I think that's all the football we're really going to talk about today because the, the main talking point of the past week or so is, of course, the, the transfer window. Uh, the English transfer window has now closed. It was last week now. Uh, the Saudi Arabian window, as I mentioned before, has also closed. So, debate, and I think we should probably start um, in terms of the club's outgoings before we go on to the, the ingoings because there's quite a bit more to talk about there, unfortunately, in terms of, in terms of the money. Uh, we may as well start off, though, uh, Shamoon, with Damari Gray. That's one that's been recorded today, uh, well, at the time of recording uh, on the Thursday. A player that, well, he seemed, he seemed destined to be leaving from the start of the summer. And then the move didn't seem to materialise. There was that £12 million bid from Al-Shabaab and that collapsed. Sean Dyche has then come out with this interview saying, look, there's no, there's no move until the club agrees to it. Alan Myers was saying that he's going to be staying. Dyche said he's going to be reintegrated into the squad. And all of a sudden, he's left. Uh, so, Shireen, what, what's your take on all that? It's it's quite a ridiculous saga it's been. Yeah, I think uh, first, uh, the most concrete talk was him going to Fulham. And I was told that was his preferred uh, destination, whether that's because it's in the capital or staying in the Premier League. But he could still have done a job in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, we scored, uh, it was, was it Everton's second highest top scorer last season with... Six well, there, was, there wasn't much competition, yeah, the, so let's not get carried away. <laughs> not many with there, but yeah, he did score four in the Premier League. I think um, the quite quite a few the four that he did score three were quite important because two were in draws against Forest uh, to claim a point, and then one was at uh, City with the thunderbolt into the top corner. So, considering the club only stayed up by two points, uh, he gained. Side three points uh, with his goals that he scored, but yeah, it was a funny situation. Once the window shut on Friday and he didn't go anywhere, he was left out of the squad against Sheffield United. And then I think Sunday sort of forced his hand by saying, uh, by suggesting that he wasn't being the Dyche wasn't being too respectful of him. And then after that, I think there was only one conclusion that there was no way he's going to be reintegrated back into the squad after that. Manager has to sort of put down his authority uh, and tell people what was going on. Tra- mentioned um, he tried to keep it in-house, but then uh, Demire Gray took to social media and then looks like um, the offer that came in from Al-Etikraf was one that they had to take between eight and ten million pounds and him signing a four-year deal there. So yeah, it got a bit messy in the end. I don't think anyone comes away with too much credit from it, but sort of he forced the club's hand and then I don't think Daesh was too happy uh, about taking it taking it lying down. He had to make uh, a comment. Uh and 
he see with his statement uh, after he's left. That is the sort of a, a slight dig, um, uh, that final dig that he had to give uh, about the truth that he was ready to play or whatever he, whatever he said there. Um, so, yeah, he's got the final word. I'm sure uh, in the presser before the Arsenal game, we'll be asking Daesh about that. Probably bats it away, but it's one that we have to ask about and uh, we'll see who gets the final word on that. Yeah, and Alice, I mean, we could talk about the, the back and forth for a while. I mean, it, it, it's not one that I really want to get invested in because I think it was clear that the player didn't want to play anymore. I think he wanted to leave the club. Dice said that he chose not chosen not to train. It's easy for a player to come out and say, look, I was totally ready. I was, you know, I was ready to play football. I've been disrespected, but uh, that's all just back and forth, really. From a purely financial perspective, uh, we've made a profit on a player for well, one of like three or four players in the past like 10 years that we seem to have made a profit on. It's not a massive one, but signing for what, one and a half million? He's left for eight, not the not the 12 that maybe we could have got a bit earlier a couple of weeks ago before Al-Shabaab decided to go and get uh, Yannick Carrasco instead. But I don't know how you feel now. It's kind of all right with that. It didn't look like he was particularly involved. The club had made a profit. We can't reinvest it, of course, is the major issue. But all in all, not not terrible. Yeah, it's, it's it's a shame the manner that he left, and it seems a lot of that may have been due to his behaviour from what the official channels are saying about his not wanting to train, not wanting to play. And it's a shame that it ended this way because he's a signing that I'd probably look back on and go, that was a, a fantastic pickup. And it was in a, a window where we barely spent any money at all. And to bring him in for one and a half million, we, you know, he wasn't an excellent player for us, but no one could argue that it wasn't a bargain for a one and a half million. And he flattered to deceive quite a lot, didn't truly unlock his potential. I think there's a lot more talent there than he actually manages to get out. And that's a few clubs now where he hasn't truly exploded as a player. But, you know, you see he gets his annual wonder goal, which is great for us to see. But then if that's not happening week in, week out, and if you haven't got consistent performances, then it's probably time to look elsewhere. And for him, you know, he's going to Saudi. He's going to earn lots of money and hopefully like reinvent himself over there. And I wish him all the best, but... From our end, it looks like he isn't quite the winger that fits into the Sean Dice system. And if that isn't the case, then the best thing to do is move him on. We've got some cash for it. Sadly, it's at the end of the British transfer window, so we can't spend it. But I look at the wingers we've got now, and they just seem to suit that system a lot more. You know, Dwight McNeil, Jack Harrison in particular, them two are wingers who really seem to suit a Dice system. And yeah. you wish you wish him all the best. He's more than did in their statement uh, yeah, we, we, we saw that with Anthony Gordon as well. Of course, I mean, the club make it very clear when they're not particularly happy when a player's left. There's the, they don't beat around the bush. But in terms of the um, the announcement video at Al Etifak, I don't know what we made of that. I'm sure you've both seen it. One of yeah. the most bizarre things. I know they've come up with some wacky ones. When um, it was Nuno Espirito Santo got involved in that one uh, a few weeks ago. But yeah, it's almost made it look like what he was, what, third choice? Third choice uh, behind Salah. Yeah, it looks like. The Copites aren't happy with him going there. Henderson and Wijnaldum look disgruntled that they've chosen Everton. What on earth is that? I've literally got no <laughs> the, idea. The way it was done was so weird because it was as if they were basically saying, oh, yeah, we really wanted Salah to come to the Saudi Pro League, but we've got Damari Gray instead. It's yeah. like, what a great way to announce a player. I'm not really <laughs> sure about that. No, yeah, maybe, but... maybe just a sense of humour that we don't get. I, I mean, outrage if that happened and if Everton <laughs> released an announcement video like that for a player. Very bizarre, but yeah. That's probably the, one of the funniest things about the whole the whole situation, uh, because uh, and as we, as you both said, it is just, I guess it's a bit of a shame it's ended this way. Uh, the club have they've, they've not wished him good luck. They've not wished him good riddance. They've just said uh, that the deal is done, and I think that's probably because of the way that he's conducted himself uh, in this window. But another winger that has departed wasn't a winger for much of last season, but was primarily used as a winger under Daesh. Uh, on deadline day, Alex Awobi did depart for Fulham uh, for around £22 million. Uh, and Alice, last time we spoke, it was just before, it was the day before deadline day, wasn't it? Uh, and we said that, you know, it looks like Awobi's probably going to leave, but there's no way we don't get a replacement for him. We didn't get one, did we, in the end, which is massively disappointing, but the deal had to be done for Awobi to leave. It's not a case of, oh, if we were going to sell him, we had to get a replacement. We would have really liked a replacement, but that deal had to be done in this transfer window for a business decision above everything else. I think 
the fact that he had one year left on his contract, we couldn't have afforded to lose another asset who was worth originally 28 million to then go for nothing. And I think it's going to look really good on the books for us. I think now that his book value is massively low because it's coming to the end of his contract. So I think when we do sell him now and we've got the 22 million, it'll look great for profit. So it had to be done. And, you know, once again, I wish Alex Awobi all the best. He's been a good player for us. I probably would have expected more numbers wise from him, but he does offer us a lot on the pitch creatively as well. It's just, it's a shame he didn't convert a lot of the, the great play into goals and assists. That's the only thing I'd look back on from Awobi's time at Everton. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. I, I wish him all the best. I think didn't quite hit the heights that I think we all knew he, he, he wouldn't be that exceptional. That feels harsh to say looking back at it, but we definitely signed him for an inflated transfer fee. It came at the time where we looked like we really wanted Zaha, couldn't get him, went in for Awobi instead. I'm sure... Arsenal were, were laughing when when we gave them 28 million for him. But as you said, it's a business decision. He clearly wanted to leave. We don't really know why. Probably wanted to be back in London, wanted a new challenge maybe. But yeah, uh, Shamoons, you mentioned that Fulham had that interest in, in Damari Gray earlier. That obviously switched away. They, they decided on a Wobi. What, what did you make of that deal? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, uh, there was talk that he was preparing to move back to the capital and being in London, I think. He spent a lot of his time there as well. During days off, he'd go back to the capital. So, um, probably couldn't one that uh, he'd, he'd prefer to have done. Um, that I think that one came about late late Thursday night, uh, early Friday, or on the deadline day, that he was sort of going to go to Fulham. Now, I think it was about seven, half seven, that I got a message from someone saying that... Um, it's not going to be any. There's not likely to be any incomings uh, forever in this in this uh, window now. Beto was the last one to come in. So, um, why people stayed up until eleven o'clock uh, hoping for something to happen? Uh, you could have had an early night, lads. Um, there was you told about, everyone, didn't you? I saw your yeah, tweet telling yeah. us to uh, get some sleep out of the Sheffield yeah. United game. There was there was to- there's some reports that Maxwell Cornet was. Um, uh, in advanced talks, there was nothing in that. Um, one owl even said he's having a medical when he was sat on the bench. Uh, uh, after <laughs> that, 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 was, that was the funniest one I saw. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure how that came about. Um, there was talk in the window about uh, Kamaldin uh, Suleimana as well. Uh, I know the club had a long have a long standing interest in him, and there were talks, but again, they couldn't. Um, come to an arrangement with Southampton uh, to sign him. Same as um, Che Adams, they had a £12 million bid knocked back. And if you read uh, Paddy Boylan's article uh, in The Athletic the other day, he said that the only money they've spent up front in this window is £3 million on Danjuma. And the other, um, for Harrison, they added uh, he had an agreement that they would leave on a without a fee for on loan if the club got relegated. Club exercised that. Beto and Chimiti, um payments that don't come out until the next financial window. So you can see the club's financial situation. Um, a lot of the money is being used for day to day costs and maybe towards the stadium and new stadium and all this. So there was always that they'd be dealing in free transfers, uh, which you saw with Ashley Young and loan deals, which uh, came with Danjuma and Harrison. It was looking like being a decent window until the end when they got rid of uh, Iwobi, Cannon and Mope without bringing anyone in. So sort of that soured the decent window that it was looking like being then not having enough numbers for the bench uh, at Sheffield United the other day where they had two keepers and five outfield players. So until these guys come back, uh, you know, the likes of Calvert-Lewin, Harrison, uh, not sure who else is injured, but it's going to be difficult because you're bound to have injuries throughout the season. So how it goes about uh, navigating it until January, I'm not even sure that much money to spend in January as well. So it is going to be difficult uh, to navigate through this season. 
I think yeah. they've got to use the loan slots in January now. I was I was quite surprised that they didn't in summer, but I think now that they're available, so I really hope there's some good options in January to use those loan slots because that was one of the things I was surprised that I thought we might have brought one loan in. Thomas, did you think we maybe should have used them? I, I thought it was kind of inevitable. There'd been so much talk all summer about we're going to utilize the lower market, we're going to utilize the transfer, uh, the free transfer market. And I know we did both of those things. I know we brought in a couple of players on loan, but I don't know. There, there seemed to be so much money washing about in terms of outgoings. We've done something that we've never really done, and that's selling youth players for a profit. Um, because we saw on deadline day, you know, Tom Cannon leave, Ellis Sims left earlier on. Uh, but then if you look at the outgoings as well, in terms of squad depth, well, that's Wobi, Gray, Cannon, Sims, uh, Mope left as well, didn't he? So that's, that's five forwards that, that have left there. I know we brought in Beto. I know we brought in Jamiti, but we're still so light. And especially on the wing, I was just, I was looking at our squad depth before. And even if we had brought in Corne, which obviously it was going nowhere, that one didn't materialise. He wasn't having a medical while he was on the bench. Uh, he would be another left, left-sided left player. And I thought we'd definitely delve into the loan market for a, for a right-winger, really, because, I mean, Harrison's really the only only the one that could play there. I know, I know McNeil can, but he's been he's featured more on the left as well. But I don't know, I just, it, we, de- we generally just, just feel a bit light when you have that many outgoings. And uh, as, as he said, Shamoon, it became clear that nothing was happening uh, on deadline day and we weren't really working on anything. We've now, we have now just left ourselves uh, quite a lot lighter than I, than I really anticipated. Yeah, I think there was just so much time wasted uh, on the likes of Nonto. Leeds had made it clear, 30 million, we want that. Are you going to pay it or not? They had two bids rejected early in the transfer window. Uh, Thursday night was my information that they put in a bid of 30 million euros, which works out about 25.7 million pounds. Still not hitting Leeds' mark. Still, Leeds were adamant they weren't going to sell him. Well, uh, sorry, Nonto tried it forcing his way out, did his best to uh, try and manufacture and move to Everton. Uh, missed three, uh, three games, was made to train alone, put in a transfer request. Still, Everton didn't hit the fee that, the lead, uh, that Leeds had set. So there was so much time wasted in that that they could have maybe looked elsewhere for a, for, a, for an incoming there. Um, there was... Uh, Chat about uh, others as well, like El Bilal Toure. Now, because um, uh, Atlanta got the fee for Hoyland, um, blew Everton out of the water with the uh, um, with the transfer fee there. And unfortunately, he's got injured now, so maybe you know, is um, stuff like that happens. Um, so yeah, if they moved on from the Nanto chase earlier, Rodrigo was another that they sort of one of their primary targets that uh, they wanted to get in, but Al-Rayan, the wages that they offered, um, Everton couldn't touch it type of thing. So, uh, yeah, maybe if they looked at other targets early in the window, numbers could have been boosted. And it, my information that I got, they chased until right until the the last day uh, and they couldn't get a deal. And uh, it sort of is a shame because had they looked... Uh, had they looked to maybe Suleimana who wanted to move as well could they have done a loan deal there um, you know it's all ifs and buts we'll, we'll never know what, what could have happened yeah, we, I'm glad they didn't the buy on a few of them before. yeah we've seen the club do that before though haven't we Ellis that I mean, it was Kurt Zuma a few years ago where we would, we had a hard set on him. We went after him for, for months and months. Didn't end up getting him. Ended up like a centre-half. It's now Nanto. This one's gone on for weeks and weeks. We've spoken about it endless times. Maybe I did maybe think it, it might just materialise eventually um, uh, when the Awobi money came through. Maybe the club might just end up splashing what Leeds wanted. I, I may be glad that they didn't just throw every penny that we had at him, but... Yeah, seemingly a, a, a bit of an odd one for, for Nanto now, Ellis. We can finally sit back and relax in the fact that we know he's not coming. He's unlikely he's going to come in January, but now we've not got him. How, how do you feel about that? I'm glad we didn't splash the cash. I'm glad that the approach has been much more sensible in this window. We didn't splash the cash on Nanto because we valued him at a certain price and didn't pay it. That's what clubs like Manchester City do. If, you do, if they're not at the value that we set, then we don't pay it. We move on. The likes of Musa Dembele, Rodrigo, like Shamu mentioned, these players are demanding astronomical wages and 
we didn't match them and I'm glad we didn't because we should have a set wage structure and a set fee that we want to pay for a player. And if we don't, if it goes over that, we shouldn't be forced to. And I think that's the best model for the future. So I think a lot of credit has to be given to Kevin Felwell, Dan Purdy for the way that they've, the way that they've dealt with this window. And we haven't spent a lot of money, but to think we've got those five players and have only had an outgoing of three million pounds in this window, I think it's quite impressive. Yes, we'd have liked a few more, but what they did do, I think, can't be criticised. Yeah, absolutely. I think it had all the hallmarks of a, of a pretty solid window, and, and we knew that as well. I think it it started off brightly. Getting that Dan Juma loan was 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 so important. But uh, I will want to delve into incomings uh, a bit more. But we are going to head for a quick break. Uh, join us in the second half of the podcast, where we're going to be talking about everyone that came into the club and might even uh, briefly talk about some football uh, far beyond us uh, in the international break and who we might see again. So join us in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, again, joined by Ellis and Shamoon. Of course, in the first half there, we discussed a bit about Sheffield United. Uh, we talked a lot about the outgoings from the club. But of course, uh, we did make a couple of signings. And just before the break, Ellis, there you were touching on the pretty impressive work done by uh, the recruitment team. That, uh, And as you touched on as well before, Shamoon, that we have actually only spent Three million in this financial year. I know that Chimitli uh, and Beto came in for what, for around thirty million combined between them, but none of that's been spent in, in this summer. So uh, I don't know, Ellis, if you if you had to give the incomings a grade uh, in terms of the well, both the financial aspect and how they've improved the the team, what what would you give them? Well, for the financial aspect, I think that bumps it up a point. Uh, for three million pounds, I'd give it an eight. For for three million pounds to get five <laughs> players in, I would give it an eight. I think. That is just superb. How they've managed that, I really don't know. The Beto deal is pretty incredible, to be fair. We're not paying a penny in the first financial year. And then Yusuf Chimiti is a development signing, like they say, and it might save us some money in the long term on a striker. Hopefully he develops into the striker that we want him to. And then, you know, striker is such a pricey position that if you can bring someone through that you've bought for cheaper, then that's ideal, really. Ashley Young is... A solid signing. He brings a lot to the dressing room experience. It will only be for a year. It's a bit of a stopgap, but I'm okay with that one. And then Harrison and Dan Juma are just two brilliant loan deals. Dan Juma is probably the best loan you could have got. And Jack Harrison, we took advantage of a, a really clumsy, weird cause from Leeds that have, <laughs> has really affected their window. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at Leeds' outgoings, uh, if you, if you just look at the list, they're all just loans. Seemingly, the the majority of their their squad has just been picked apart by loans. Unfortunately, Nonto didn't negotiate one of them uh, into his contract, so we might be in a in a very different position now. But but Shamuna, you know, as we've said, three million spent. We we brought in plenty of money between Awobi and Gray and Cannon and Sims. We were making money on, on the youth products as well. It kind of just sums up where the club is at the moment. That yes, they've done a very good job to manage to only spend three million, but that that did we were hamstrung in that most clubs didn't exactly want the the Everton Klarna payments of about, you know, we'll give you one quid up front and then we'll we'll pay the rest over the next 15 years. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I won't give it uh, as high as an eight. I'd probably give it a six. Um six. yeah because you're still gonna have to pay for these guys one day, you know they, Yeah true. It's just uh pushing the problem down the road, isn't it? Like, come April, um, if the investment stuff isn't sorted, uh, how are you going to how are you going to pay for better? How are you going to pay for uh, um 25 plus, 25 for better plus 15 is what I was told for Shumiti. So, um, <laughs> you know, still a um, significant portion of uh, cash will be going towards uh, Udinese and uh, Sporting Lisbon come the next financial year. Um, another reason I gave it a six because um, I reported in June, I think, that there was interest in Beto. Could they have got him in earlier? Um, if he was there for the uh, Wolves and Fulham game, uh, would there be a different result, you know, from zero points to maybe picking up six points from those two games. You know, all the ifs and buts. Um, as you mentioned, uh, the signings that they have brought in, I think, uh, the like. Uh, and another reason for being a six, Harrison is injured. Uh, he's not going to play until, you know, maybe in, until after the international bit. Will he be fit for Arsenal? We don't know yet. Um, 
so yeah, actually, I'm solid signing on a free, but he's 38. Uh, I'm gonna, he's not a long-term signing, is he? But he does bring that short-term sort of authority and influence uh, on that dressing room. Um, Danjuma's probably the bit one of the out of Beto and Danjuma, the two sort of most eye-catching signings. Danjuma's probably the one that uh, is the most exciting one that I'm most I'm most excited to see. Uh, having seen what he's done at Fulham with uh, Villarreal, didn't quite work for him at Spurs. Uh, but once he gets up to speed, I think he'll be really exciting coming from from the left. Uh, works as we mentioned on his uh, decision making outcome once he's in full flow. And excited to see what uh, Harrison brings. Uh, Premier League proven player, good numbers uh, last season for a side that's struggled at the wrong end of the table. Um, could they have bought in a centre-back? Uh, I was up against the mighty Di Mazio uh, during the transfer window where he reported that the club were interested in signing uh, Nico Elvedi from Gladbach and talks had taken place. I was told that was nonsense and got a lot of stick for that on, on Twitter. That's the information I got, and you know, it's not in a it's not in a blue shirt, is he? So, um, yeah, I think uh, with Mina going and Cody as well, maybe one centre back was probably needed. Yeah, I agree. I probably couldn't give it as high as an eight for the reason that one of the reasons that you just mentioned there that the squad wasn't ready for the start of the season. And if we had had those goals, if, if better was there and he'd be bedded in now already fully, uh, you'd say if, if, you know, I mean, Dan Juma came in early, but he wasn't quite fit at the start of the season. And Jack Harrison, as, as you mentioned, injured until after the international break, the squad wasn't ready for the start of the season. Unfortunately, I think it's easy to look back and say, look, the deals that we've done are pretty impressive. We're all very excited about better. Chimiti's one that who knows, we'll, we'll just see how he develops and, we know that Dan Juma, we know he struggled at Spurs, but he will admit himself he made a terrible decision going there uh, in, in January. And that, that's why I can't give it an eight, because at the end of the day, the squad wasn't ready. And there are still holes in it. As you mentioned, I, I was convinced we'd sign a centre-half. Um, caused Connor Cody leaving. We knew that Mason Holgate was going to leave on loan eventually. He ended up at, at Southampton. And unfortunately, it does leave us. Where, we do have four centre-halves, of course. We do have Tarkovsky, Branthwaite. Uh, ben Godfrey, but then one of them is, is Michael Keane, and Michael Keane is a man that is not most loved uh, amongst Everton fans currently, and it hasn't been for a bit. He's he's always he's always unfortunately going to take the stick now because we've seen what what we kind of thought we knew. There were other positions as well that were just not really that high up in the priority list that we couldn't address and haven't. I mean, if you look at the right back positions, we're still so weak there. Patterson hasn't started the season that well. Coleman will be injured for for who knows how long. On the left, uh, Young's come in 38 years old and he's already taken Mikalenko out the side. So we're still very weak in the fullback positions. We don't really have an out and out right winger. I'd imagine we'll probably see Jack Harrison play there. We've been forced to play James Garner there at the start of the season, which is obviously not where he's best. I, I, I'm going to go right in the middle of you two. I'm going to give it a seven, uh, not to set on the fence too much, but purely because I think the business that we did eventually do is pretty decent. I'd say that it didn't happen soon enough and we, we have been left light uh, in what was what has already been a really important run of fixtures. When you look at the season of, of an entirety, Fulham at home, filler away, we can kind of write that one off. I didn't really expect to do much there. Maybe a draw or a push. Wolves at home, Sheffield United away. These are teams that could be around us in a relegation battle come come May, come April, whatever that may be. And we, we weren't quite ready. So I, I'm going to give it a seven purely because the squad wasn't ready. We haven't fully addressed every issue. I think maybe we addressed as many issues as we could. The club were in a very difficult position where, I mean, we, we couldn't really afford to buy anyone in this window, despite the incomings. We brought in that 45 million for Anthony Gordon in January. We never saw that again. We've seen players leave. We'll probably not see that money. And that just sums up where the club is at the moment. It's it's money to keep the lights on. It's money to keep the stadium coming. And unfortunately, that's where we are without investment uh, as it stands. But I touched what, on... What do, you think the plan is? what do you think the plan is for the season? Do you think 
it's limping through until January and then see what they can bring in or um, is, are they aiming just to stay in the Premier League or sort of a high aspirations? What, what do you guys think? The plan is there are no high aspirations. Our aspirations are low. <laughs> I don't think we really expect to be in a relegation battle. I don't know about you, Ellis. I, I want us just, just to see us safe. I, I, I said at the start of the season, give me a boring year. Give me a, a season where we're absolutely fine towards the end of the season. We'll have to see if that develops. There are still what, 34 games left to play. There is plenty of football still to be played. But I don't think anyone's expecting anything particularly lofty. No one, Definitely no one's expecting Europe, but hopefully not, not in a relegation battle, Ellis. You can't solve every problem in one transfer window. And I think, you know, you're never going to give a transfer window a 10 regardless. But for me, I'd like to clarify my point because the signings that came in, we spent £3 million on. So my judgment was based off the fact that we didn't spend much money at all and we brought those players in. Because when asked to like rate the incomings, I'd say that they were, so we did some, make some really good pickups. But we can't have expected to have signed a right back, a central midfielder, a centre back, and all the rest when we know that we're stretched already. So I think they did well to a point. The reason why I didn't put it any higher, and there was probably an argument for it to be one lower, was the fact that we just we we are we weren't fully ready, like you guys said. And you know the thing with Jack Harrison, would we have signed him if he wasn't injured? That's definitely a question. He, he, so I think be at Villa right now, he, he wouldn't be. Yeah. So I think there's there was positives to take from that window. Yes, we needed more, but for me now that that group of say probably 17 or 18 players is strong enough to be more than clear of relegation. It's just the case of an injury crisis which we simply cannot afford to have now. A bit of a risk has been taken there where that squad looks more than all right to stay in the Premier League when all are fit, but it's just if some key injuries to the likes of James Tarkovsky, Amadou Onana, probably Beto. I think if those injuries happen, that's where it's time to worry. But other than that, I'd say that the squad is looking decent when all are fit, which obviously that isn't something that you get the luxury of all season. No, very true. And it's, it's not a luxury that we have at the moment. Unfortunately, we have been, uh, as you said earlier, I mean, we have been quite stretched uh, for the start of the start of the season uh, between a, a lack of depth and we, we have also had uh, quite a few injuries, but the international break is now upon us. Uh, there won't be football for another, uh, just over a week. Uh, is it, or is it? Yeah, it's just over a week now. Yeah. We play on the 17th, don't we? I think. Um, and hopefully we are going to see a few of those players come back. We may as well start off with the players that, that we haven't seen yet before we get onto the, the, the main player that we have seen who has picked up an injury. Uh, we may as well start with the likes of, well, Dwight McNeil, Jack Harrison, Calvert-Lewin, t- three immediately ridiculously important players for us that we we hopefully are, are going to see past the uh, past the uh, international window. Do you, what position do you reckon we, we then find ourselves in then, Shamoon, when we actually get these players back, if they do come back? I mean, McNeil seemed to be almost ready. He did make that appearance towards the end uh, against Sheffield United. Calvert-Lewin, it seemed like he just needed to spend that bit of time off between concussion protocols and having a broken cheekbone or whatever it was. Uh, that that was inevitable. But looks like we might finally get a squad together in, in, a, in just over a week. Yeah, uh... Mentioned there wasn't a five bar, but McNeil was the top scorer last season, scored some vitally important goals. And still remember his celebration at Brighton before he put the ball in the net. So, a very important Daesh player. And um, there is that need for those that come back to add to the, uh, you know, the squad depth so that those who are playing don't get comfortable, you know. Um, they know that there's there is good competition, and uh, if they don't perform, then someone else can come in and uh, take the place. Um, but you, you mentioned at the top of the show, Dominic Calvert Lewin is injured, um, but there's a sigh, sigh of relief that there's Beto um, who's coming now, and so I think the ground running is spot against Doncaster, and um, didn't look out of place against uh, Sheffield United. Um, so there are signs that there is sort of a threadbare squad but there's competition for places um and particularly in that attacking attacking line. Um I wrote after the Fulham and the Wolves Wolves games that we've seen this story before, we've seen this movie before where the, the team creates so many chances this can't put them away. Can they change that narrative this season? Can they start scoring goals? It's not just one goal but the, the team 
struggles to score multiple goals uh, in games, can they sort of score two or three goals a game going forward? Um, that that's the hope. And you know, uh, I've been covering the club since the turn of the year. I, it's a fantastic place to go. Is Goodison Park? You know, once it's bouncing there. You know, the word raucous is used in match reports often when it's sort of a positive and um, the team are doing well. Can they maintain that um, sort of positivity, good feeling throughout the season? Just wait and see. I, I hope they can sort of steer, steer away from the bottom three and push themselves further up the table. Yeah, well, hopefully, Aaron... Ellis, like we know about, we know McNeil, we know Calvert Lewin, but Harrison returned from his injury. Where it'll be like a new signing. <laughs> Funny you say that because he is. <laughs> yeah, Jack Harrison's going to be, I think, quite an important player for us. Just back to Calvert Lewin and McNeil, they are huge players to be out injured. We do have to remember that. I don't think, you know, during a time when we get beat and there's a lot of negativity around, I, th- I think sometimes. The whole picture isn't always looked at. And Dwight McNeil and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are crucial players for Everton that are now coming back after the international break. And Jack Harrison is coming in, who we haven't seen yet, but he gave me enough at Leeds to suggest that he's going to be a useful player for us. Five goals, seven assists last season. That's very productive compared to the rest of our squad. I think he's got an absolute wonder shot on his left foot, which is going to be massively vital for us. Because if he can just pull off something like that in a game where perhaps we're struggling to carve teams open we've got that like lethal weapon perhaps but he's an industrious winger he's similar to Dwight McNeil in that sense I think he's going to work hard which is going to massively benefit the fullbacks I think this might be the time where Nathan Patterson starts to improve because he's currently been playing with a central midfielder on the right which surely would be difficult for both players but now if he's got an actual right winger on the right yes he's left footed but he likes to play right wing I think that could help Nathan Patterson as well and Overall, Jack Harrison, I think, is going to... He might not play every game, but I think he'll be that interchangeable winger that will probably end up stamping a key place in the team. Yeah, I'm very excited about Harrison, not necessarily because he's the the flashiest of players or anything, but he seems reliable, as you said before, Shemini, putting good numbers in a a team that really struggled last year. And that's always good to see. I, I mean... What when Calvert Lewin comes back, do we see both him and Beto up front? I mean, that could be that could be mighty. I'm not really sure. Wow, uh, that'd be well, all right. I, I'm not really sure how Dice will go with that because we've seen Decore be the one to, to push up alongside him, and if it's better with Calvert Lewin, it, it'll be a slightly different dynamic, definitely. But uh, there is that's one your, player. That's your, ba- that's your um, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood, isn't it? Upgraded form. Let's not get carried away. I'm just too excited about thinking about that now for, <laughs> for after the uh, international break. I mean, yeah, it's, just, but... uh, it's just it's just crazy for fans. Uh, striking options. Oh my god! Uh, oh, I've actually got got three players to choose from up front: the Shumiti, um, Calvert-Lewin, and Beto. I mean, this is sort of uh, beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, having <laughs> so much. Uh, yeah, so many, so many strikers all at once, and, and none of them yeah. are Neil Mope. So that's always exciting, <laughs> but. Uh, one yeah. one player that we do have to talk about, he did withdraw from the England under-21s, is Gerard Branthwaite. Uh, he's, he's nestled his way into the team. He started to build up that partnership with Tarkovsky. Uh, it sounds like he picked up the injury before he went to England, which is always positive. It feels like we always come back from an international break uh, with about 15 injuries. But Shamoon, I mean, not too sure what to make about that. Hopefully he's going to be back pretty fine. Maybe the club are just resting him. He is still a young player and he's had those back-to-back games now in the Premier League. Is it, you think it's maybe just a cautionary one from the club that he doesn't really need to go away for the next week and can spend the time recovering? Yeah, hopefully just a precautionary one and he can spend the week at Finch Farm uh, hopefully in full training. The players have got a few days off at the moment. Those who are not in, on, on international duty, I think they'll come back in Monday, do some uh, fitness work. They can't do much Tactics work when a lot of the players are away, but he didn't start the first two games, was it, this season? Um, the hammering at Villa, unfortunately, you know, heads dropped that game. It was probably good that he was he wasn't um, involved in that. Uh, and then he's been absolutely terrific when he has been playing. Uh, <laughs> Like a new signing, he's he, he's um, come back from PSV full of confidence. Um, 
they won the cup, didn't he, last? Did he win the, league, the Dutch Cup last season? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's got a few so, goals as well. Yeah, so a player who, who has come into a side um, with a winning mentality and um, sort of breeds that, you know, that breeds through the rest of the squad where we're one player who's confidence. You can see uh, he, he was sort of, he was unlucky against uh, Sheffield United to get booked. I thought he got the ball. Um, I'm not sure why the ref uh, sort of booked him for the follow-through. Um, but, you know, coming across, cut balls out, he wins stuff in the air. Um, so the all-round defender quick quick across the across the turf as well. Um, yeah, you know, the fear is that if Tarkovsky gets injured, um, He's going to be partnering Michael Keane, and Michael Keane is a player who's no one confidence at the moment. Um, you know, uh, actually, I'm sure they've thrown that ball to him at Villa, but um, allowing uh, John Duran to go through and score. But these things will happen throughout the season, and there's no guarantee that we can keep your players fit. But um, yeah, good signs from Brantley that we've seen uh, early on so far. And just fingers crossed that he can keep that partnership going with Tarkovsky throughout the season. And then, um, you know, that if you expect the Daesh outfit to be strong at the back. Uh, so hopefully that um, midfield three and the two can stay based upon the core of the, of, of the team. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that is the problem with the with the lack of depth that we have at centre half is that we're quite happy with the partnership right now. Branthwaite looks really exciting. Tarkovsky's always just been fairly solid since he came in. He's had his patches, but every player does. Branthwaite just he looks as exciting as I think we all were. How excited we all were, kind of getting the flashes from the highlights from last season when, as you said, Ellis, he was, he was bagging them at the back post, and you know he, he looks really exciting. I'm glad to see him. Um, integrated. Hopefully he is fit after the international break, but that does uh, pretty much bring us to the end of the podcast. I'm not sure I can legally keep you two here any longer in, in this heat, uh, but Shamoon, thank you very much uh, for coming on, mate. If any uh, if any of our viewers want to find uh, any more of you, where can they find you? Uh, Shamoon Hafez on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, <laughs> That's right, we still call it Twitter around here, don't worry. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm just, keep calling it Twitter. Um, so yeah, I'm much coverage uh, articles about the uh, Everton uh, throughout the season on there. Um, cover a bit of Burnley as well, so I share my time between Everton and Burnley. Um, so you'll see updates from those two clubs uh, throughout the season. Yeah. Dragon, thank you very much, Ellis. Always a pleasure, mate. Look forward to a, a bit of a break this week. Yeah, it should be nice to have a bit of time off to regroup and then hopefully come back and. I'm hoping for a massive performance at Goodison against Arsenal. Yeah, same. And uh, and I'm sure it will be. We'll have a fully fit team. Cavalier and Better will be up top. Me and Ellis will just be full of joy. We'll come on the podcast (laughs) with a 1-3-0. It'll be uh, tremendous. But thank you to both. Thank you all very much for watching. And join us next week on the Toppy Blues podcast.